Hey, I'm Brent Falker, and this is Walk On, a podcast to help you take your next step in your faith journey with Christ. Recently, I heard about a research project that happened at Northwestern University. Researchers set up a series of experiments in which subjects performed cognitive tasks that measured selective or sustained attention. And in one trial, some of the subjects wore white lab coats and others didn't. Interestingly, those who wore the white coats performed better by a factor of two. In another experiment, they put lab coats on all the subjects, but some were told that they were wearing a doctor's coat, while others were told that they were wearing a painter's coat. And the group that were told they were wearing a doctor's coat scored significantly better on those tests. So the results led the investigators to coin a term called enclothed cognition, which they say describes the systematic influence that our clothing have on our psychological processes. Now, I find this extremely interesting that just changing our clothing affects how we think. Now, before you go and buy a doctor's coat to wear around to make yourself smarter, let's think of this in terms of our faith. Think about Romans chapter 13, verse 14, when Paul says, clothe yourselves in Christ and do not think about how to indulge your evil desires. Clothe yourselves in Christ. And if you think about it, it's not about the clothing. What is the impact? It's the impact about the clothing is how it impacts your identity and how you see yourself. And so those who were wearing a doctor's coat, it was easy for them to see themselves as someone who was smarter. And those who weren't didn't have that advantage. They saw themselves as someone maybe who wouldn't do as well on that test. It's about identity. And so when we look at our faith, how we see ourselves is a crucial identity. I think there are some truths about identity that are loud and clear in scripture that Jesus wants us to understand how the father sees us. And I think for some of us, our struggle with sin isn't a temptation issue, it's an identity issue. Let me ask you this, which statement rings more true for you in this moment? I am a sinner or I am a saint? Which one do you identify with? Your gut reaction says, nope, I am a sinner or I am a saint. Which statement rings more true for you in this moment? And I think how you see yourself your identity impacts how you live. And I wonder if for many Christians, we fail to live the life that Christ calls us to live, not because of our sin struggles or our temptations, but because of how we see ourselves. So let me explain it this way. If I'm playing baseball and I step up to bat and in my head, I am continually saying, I'm gonna miss, I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss. When that ball is pitched, am I more likely or less likely to connect and make a hit? I think one of our roadblocks to overcoming sin struggles in our life is that we take on the identity of a sinner. And if you believe and you see that, no, I am a sinner and that's who I am, well, it's no wonder then that you make the decision to give into temptation. You are, after all, a sinner, right? How you see yourself is utmost importance because your identity impacts what you do and how you respond to situations. 
So when Paul says to clothe yourselves in Christ, he's talking about our identity. To cover ourselves, to think of yourself in a different way. And here's the truth of scripture. If you are in Christ, your primary identity, how God sees you is that of a saint and not of a sinner. If you open up and you read any of the epistles in the New Testament, the letters that Paul wrote to churches, most of the letters that he wrote start in a similar way. He says, to the saints in Philippi or to the saints in Ephesus. So the question is, was he only talking to a select few perfect individuals in that community that could be called saints? Or was he referring to the whole community of believers Jews and Gentiles messed up, still struggling through issues, which Paul often addressed those issues in the second half of his letters. You see, the Greek word that's translated as saint has the same root word that's translated as holy. So when Paul calls everyone a saint, he's calling them holy. In Ephesians chapter one, verse four, Paul says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, speaking of Jesus as our high priest, says this, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Your primary identity, if you are a follower of Christ, This is how God sees you, sees you through Christ, through what Christ has done on the cross. He sees you as a saint, as holy and perfect without sin. Yes, we may still sin. Yes, our actions fall short. But when you clothe yourselves with Christ, your new identity, how God sees you is as holy and perfect without fault as if you've never sinned. So just like that enclosed cognition that the researchers at Northwestern University found, when you clothe yourself with Christ, it affects how you live. It affects the choices you make and how you um, live out your identity. So when we begin to see our true identity in Christ, when we begin to see that we are ourselves holy and blameless and righteous, then maybe sin is less of an option because it's not who we are. It's not how we see ourselves. And then we begin to live into our identity. Let me be clear here as I'm explaining this. I'm not saying this is some sort of mental exercise that you believe you can and then you are. Like you, you, know, you, you think it and manifest it and then it lives out in your life. I'm saying this is applying what is true because of what Jesus has already done for you. Yes, the truth is we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God and that need drives us to the cross of Christ to accept his grace. And once you have done that, then your identity changes. That's why the Bible says we are a new creation. And so many Christians, I believe, are living in their old identity that they are a sinner and they have fallen short. When they have accepted the grace of Christ, they are a new creation and their identity has shifted. And now they are clothed in Christ. And when God sees them, he sees them as holy and perfect and dearly loved. 
And when we begin living in that identity of who we are in Christ, it changes us. It changes how we live. So it's not just this mental assertion that we try to manifest in reality. We are applying this eternal changing truth to our lives and living in the identity, the reality of who we truly are because of what Christ has done for us. Let me give you a little parable that I think explains this well. There once was a king who ruled a kingdom but had no kids to pass his kingdom on, no heirs to the throne. And as he's reaching older age and sees the end of his life coming, he realizes that he wants to pass on his kingdom, his throne, his rule to someone else to carry on his reign. He goes into his kingdom looking for someone that he can adopt to become his own son and prince and heir to the throne. So he goes all throughout from village to village looking for someone. And one day as he's walking through this village, he glances down the side of an alleyway and catches this small scrawny orphan boy digging through the trash for his meal. And there's something inside the king that clicked. And he said, this is the boy. So he walks over with his old entourage, corners the boy. The boy's eyes get wide in fear. The king gets down on one knee and explains the situation and invites this boy to become his son, to live in the castle with him and to eventually be the heir to the throne. Well, having no other option, the boy says, yes. And the king is excited. He turns to his messenger and he says, prepare a feast for today we celebrate. I have found my new son. So he sends the messenger and the boy and his entourage back to the castle to prepare the feast. He goes to prepare some other business. And then when the king returns to the castle, he walks into the banquet hall set with the most elaborate food spread across the table. Everything is ready for the feast, except the boy is nowhere to be found. So the king goes from room to room, asking all of his servants, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? And finally, the king finds his new son out back behind the castle in a rubbish heap of garbage, digging through, eating the rotten food from the garbage pile. And the king bends down and grabs the boy and says, my son, my son, why do you eat from the garbage when there is a feast of perfectly good food waiting for you? And that is the question that I believe God asks each of us when we fail to see our true identity in Him and live into that. Too often, we settle for an identity of our old selves and we settle to live in the filth and the garbage of our sinful actions. When God has redeemed us and made us holy and right in Him, and when we begin to live into that identity, then it begins to change our actions. And we can enter the throne room, the banquet hall of grace and dine with the King. So how you see yourself matters. And the truth that I believe God wants each of us to hear is that because of Christ, 
because of his atoning work on the cross and his grace and his mercy available to us, if you are in Christ, then you are redeemed. You are a new creation and you don't live in that old identity anymore. That is not who you are. You are a child of the true King. You are holy. You are dearly loved. You are a masterpiece created to do good works for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus going to John the Baptist down to the, the River Jordan to be baptized. We're told in Scripture that heaven opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove onto Jesus. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. At this point, Jesus had not done anything in his ministry, he hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He hadn't cast out any demons. He hadn't taught any sermons. Even though Jesus had not done anything yet, the voice from heaven, the voice of the Father says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And so in this moment, Jesus' baptism, God is sending Jesus into his ministry with his blessing Jesus didn't have to earn the Father's blessing. He was sent with it to do the things that he did. And it's a reminder to each of us that we are living from God's blessing. We are living from God's acceptance so that we don't have to live for it. You are already blessed. You are already loved. You are already accepted. You are already seen as significant and you don't have to earn it. And so everything we do flows from that identity and not as a way to, to earn it or to try to prove who we truly are. And the other reality about our identity is that it's not a part of who we are. It is all of us. It's who we truly are. So often for me, it's a tendency to kind of compartmentalize my faith and say, okay, you know, this area of my life and yeah, God loves me. Uh, okay. And I just kind of shove that into a section of my life. And then I have all these other parts of my life going on that don't interact with that. And so if my faith is struggling or, uh, or, or whatever, it's just kind of, okay, well, that's just its own thing over here. And I fail to realize how much my identity in Christ affects all these other aspects of who I am. And when I begin to live in my true identity, how I see myself, how I interact with other people, how I think and process reality around me changes, and I become truly who God created me to be when I'm living in that identity. And so I am fully me. I am fully Brent when I am living in my true identity in Christ. And you are fully you when you choose to see yourself, to clothe yourself in Christ, to see yourself in the truth of how God sees you right now. And you don't have to do anything to earn his favor. You don't have to do anything to earn his love. You don't have to do anything to make him accept you. It is already there right now. Your job is to see yourself in that identity and then to begin to live from that 
And everything you do will flow out of that identity and it changes who you are, how you live and what you do. And this is a foundational perspective shift that I think so many Christians fail to understand and fail to live out. And I know even for me, it's a struggle because of my personality type. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I have this inner critic inside my head that always points out where I fall short and where I fail and the mistakes I've made. And it's so easy for me to fall into that mindset to say, nope, I'm not perfect yet. I don't have it all together. I am falling short and therefore I don't deserve to be loved. And when I begin to live in that mindset, then I can kind of stiff arm God and the people around me because I believe I don't deserve that love, that acceptance until I can change me and I can become better and do the right things. And that's just a downward spiral because that will never happen. And for me, the greatest freedom comes when I realize who I am and that I'm already seen as perfect that God sees me as perfect and holy, even though I'm not quite living up to that. And when I begin to understand my identity, then I begin to see those things lived out in my life, kind of that enclosed cognition concept that those researchers found. It's lived out in, a faith, in faith principles and in the way that you live your life. Identity matters. How you see yourself matters. So may you understand that you are a child of the one true king. You are adopted into his family. You are a co-heir with Christ. All that God has is available to you right now in this moment. And then may you live from that identity and what you do will become more and more and more like Jesus And you will live more and more and more as who you truly are, who God created you to be. And so I want to wrap up this podcast just with a moment of letting Scripture speak truth to us. So we are going to hear excerpts from Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And as these words are read to you, I want you to just open your heart, take a deep breath, and hear the truth about who you are in Christ. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, 
You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.